So we continue our our journey through the season of Advent. Again, you know, we're not full throttle in the stuff because I grew up Baptist and I don't think most Baptists celebrate Advent sort of proper like a little bit more of a um, just different denominations <laughs> celebrate it and not, and not us uh, oftentimes. And so a little different, but just wanted to kind of, again, introduce us to some of the ideas and Advent, it just means a coming. So the coming of Jesus. So we celebrate the birth of Jesus. That's the whole Christmas time. That's what we're celebrating, right? Together is the birth of Jesus. But we're also looking forward to the second coming, to when he returns. And so not just the first Advent, what we remember during this Christmas season, but also the second coming. And so that's some of why we've done communion the last couple of weeks and why we'll do it again today at the end of the sermon to celebrate together. Um, remembering what the Lord has done, what God has done through his son, Jesus Christ. How he, his body was broken, his blood was shed for us. And then how one day we're promised, we're told that we're going to be able to celebrate that same thing with him together. And so we don't just look back, but we also look forward. And so that's what we're doing as we celebrate this season of Advent. So the last couple of weeks... Each week of Advent, there's four weeks of Advent, or four Sundays, I should say, and each Sunday, each week has a, sort, a certain theme. The first Sunday was hope, and how we defined hope was informed longing, informed longing. So we don't just have a random hope. Our hope is not in just whatever we can come up with. Our hope is informed. There is truth behind it. There is a particular thing that we are hoping for. Our hope is in a particular person, in Jesus. Our hope is in the Lord. And it's a longing. I mean, we realize that we have not fully experienced our hope. Otherwise, it wouldn't be hope. It would just be reality. And so an informed longing. We, We desire that time whenever we are able to celebrate with him together. In person, in body, fully, without the burden of sin, without the pain and suffering and hardships that this life brings to us, that we bring upon ourselves, that other people bring upon us, just the world we live in. So we have a hope, an informed longing, and our hope is in Christ. And then last week, the second week, We looked at peace, and we defined peace as spiritual rest. I mean, you can define peace in in a couple different ways. And and all these words, we've basically said, all these words, hope, peace, and joy, what we're celebrating today, are, are kind of big words that you can give a myriad of definitions to. It can look like a whole lot of different things because this world will make it into whatever it wants to make it into. What's your hope in? How do you find peace? What is peace for you? And so we define it as spiritual rest. Where we no longer have to try and earn our right standing with God. But because of the work of Jesus Christ, he fully paid our debt. He he took upon himself the penalty of sin... That we deserved. 
that now, because of Jesus and Jesus alone, we are able to be at peace with God. And being at peace with God should impact how we are at peace in this world, even in the midst of sin in our lives and sin around us. We're able to rest. And so it is a spiritual rest that then informs and impacts us physically. So we looked at hope, we looked at peace, and this week we're looking at joy. We're looking at joy. And as, you know, as I've tried to give sort of a definition or a specific way to look at hope and peace, and I kind of do the same thing with joy, not, not as much, but there's two ways. I couldn't come up with just one good way. Um, so two ways to define, to think about joy this morning and this week. I mean, you don't have to only do it this week. You can do it throughout the rest of your life. But uh, maybe just particularly a, a way to think about it this morning and this week. Joy is, number one, a celebration of peace. Oftentimes when you're reading scripture, you'll find joy and peace kind of go hand in hand. I mean, really all these words, hope, peace, joy, love, they're all expressing sort of different aspects of, of the same thing, going in the same direction together. Put these things together and what do you get? You know, bippity boppity boop, right? Um, you get the goal of Jesus. So joy is a celebration of peace. Just being at peace, I, I think probably all of us can agree that peace just seems like it's static, like there's nothing bad happening, but maybe necessarily nothing good happening either. You're just sort of in a, in a medium, in an in-between. But hopefully last week we saw peace is a little bit more than that. And I think when we talk about joy, it's a celebration of peace. Where you're actually saying, I am at peace, and so I have a cause to, to celebrate. I have a cause to rejoice. Like, I, I, I don't just want to exist in a state of you know, sort of nothingness in a state of just reserve. I want to actively say, wow, the Lord has done something for me. The Lord has done something for us. And together we can celebrate that. And so joy really ought to be a celebration, a celebration of peace. And then the other, uh, the other way I wanted to sort of have us think about it is Jesus above all else. So where, where should our joy be? Where should our joy be focused? And, and so I just thought of that phrase, Jesus above all else. What is your joy? Where do you find joy? Well, Jesus. Jesus above all else. Um, let's read Matthew 2 and um, verses 1 through 12 and see a little bit of joy that the wise men are able to experience in the birth of Jesus. So Matthew chapter 2, verses 1 through 12 says, Now after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea in the days of Herod the king, behold, wise men from the east came to Jerusalem, saying, where is he who has been born king of the Jews? For we saw his star when it rose and have come to worship him. When Herod the king heard this, he was troubled and all Jerusalem with him. 
And assembling all the chief priests and scribes of the people, he inquired of them where the Christ was to be born. They told him, In Bethlehem of Judea, for so it is written by the prophet, And you, O Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah. For from you shall come a ruler who will shepherd my people Israel. Then Herod summoned the wise men secretly and ascertained from them what time the star had appeared. And he sent them to Bethlehem, saying, Go and search diligently for the child, and when you have found him, bring me word that I too may come and worship him. After listening to the king, they went on their way, and behold, the star that they had seen when it rose went before them until it came to rest over the place where the child was. When they saw the star, they rejoiced exceedingly with great joy. And going into the house, they saw the child with Mary his mother, and they fell down and worshipped him. Then, opening their treasures, they offered him gifts, gold and frankincense and myrrh. And being warned in a dream not to return to Herod, they departed to their own country by another way. They rejoiced exceedingly with great joy when they saw the star, is what it says. When they saw the star, they rejoiced exceedingly with great joy. And it just seems like a lot of superlatives to say, you know, they were joyful. Right? But, I mean, oftentimes when you read about joy, you find joy in Scripture. That's the sort of language it has, like, like exceedingly, abundantly. It's a celebration. Um, one of the things, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a little dense when it comes to a lot of things, especially when it comes to grammar and English things. I've, I've never really appreciated English um, as a subject. Um, and so sometimes I come across things that are like, oh, wow, I've never thought about that before. One of these things is the word rejoice. I came across it, I think it, it might have been while I was in seminary. Uh, but rejoice, like joy is in that word, rejoice, right? Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say rejoice. That's what Paul says in Philippians 4. Rejoice, be joyful, like actively do something to show, to express that you have joy, that you have experienced joy, that there is joy in and around you, that there's a reason for the hope that is in you. That you have hope. That you have peace. So celebrate. Um, the wise men, they rejoiced exceedingly with great joy. What does that look like? I don't know. Maybe they danced. Maybe they hopped and skipped their way to where the star was located. They saw the star and they're like, oh man, the star led us to Jerusalem. And we went to talk to the king. And we still weren't sure where to go. And the king was like, hey, where is this supposed to happen? And the, the, you know, his counselors and wise men were like, oh, well, of course, it says in Scripture that he's supposed to be born, the Messiah, the Christ, is supposed to be born in Bethlehem. And so maybe the wise men were like, okay, well, maybe we should go to Bethlehem. But where in Bethlehem? I mean, it wasn't like a huge thriving town, but I mean, you don't just want to knock on everyone's door, you know. Do you have someone born lately? You know. Was it you? So they see the star and they're like, oh, we were led all this way, but we were finally led to the, to the place we wanted to go. Not just the general. I mean, God is, he doesn't just leave us with vague generalities of why we should be joyful. Like he leads us into specifics. I mean, there are general reasons why we should be joyful, but then there are also specific reasons because he has shown, he has opened up our hearts to understand, our eyes to see, our ears to hear, 
the light of the truth of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Why should we be joyful? Because we know Jesus. Jesus has shown in our hearts. Just like the star has shown the way for the wise men to be able to go and see this child, so too the Lord has put on our path people to guide us into the truth. He's given us his spirit. His spirit was stirring our hearts to come to faith, to to open up our hearts, to soften our hearts so that we could understand the truth that has been revealed in Scripture, the truth that has been revealed in this world. That he sent his son. And so they were able to rejoice exceedingly with great joy because they weren't just led on a wild goose chase. They they were led on it, but then they found the goose, right? I mean, you know, the golden egg, the Jesus. They found what they were looking for. And what is the response they have? They rejoice exceedingly, and then they give gifts. Like, it doesn't matter what else we have or don't have. It doesn't matter how much we're giving of ourselves because we found the greatest joy that we could find. And so none of the other things in this world matter to us. Like, we're, we're willing to give what we have. And I'm sure, you know, if these were really wise men... I doubt that they gave all of their gold and all of their frankincense and all of their myrrh to this child. And it may not have been that much of a sacrifice in whatever gifts they gave. But the idea I think that we ought to be able to see from Scripture overall is that we should be willing to forego all of the comforts and gifts of this world to lay them all aside or to give them all to Jesus. To say, you have full reign and control of all of who I am because my joy is not found in these things. My joy is not found in the circumstances of this life. My joy is found in you and in you alone. One of the, one of the things that caught me to think of the phrase Jesus above all else was in Psalm chapter four. If you want to turn there, you can, you don't have to. It's, it's a short little Psalm. Psalm chapter four is a Psalm of David and I'll read it. I mean, really the, what I'm trying to get to is in verse seven, but I'm gonna read it the whole thing. Psalm 4 says, Answer me when I call, O God of my righteousness. You have given me relief when I was in distress. Be gracious to me and hear my prayer. Why why should I be thankful? Why should I have joy? Because you've relieved me. You've given me relief when I was in distress. Verse 2, O men, how long shall my honor be turned into shame? How long will you love vain words and seek after lies? But know that the Lord has set apart the godly for himself. The Lord hears when I call to him. Be angry and do not sin. Ponder in your own hearts on your beds and be silent. Offer right sacrifices and put your trust in the Lord. There are many who say, who will show us some good? Lift up the light of your face upon us, O Lord. And here's here's what made me think of this. You have put more joy in my heart than they have when their grain and wine abound. So 
I just want you to think to yourself right now. Maybe a couple things. What's a time that you have in your life that you've just been most joyful? Like what, what's the most joyous moment that you have experienced in your life? I mean, maybe you've had several kids and, and you just think, okay, well, I can't say this kid was more joyous than the other one because, you know, then you'd be like, you know, <laughs> choosing. But, you know, maybe it's just, it's those moments. Maybe you had two or three kids and you said, okay, like those were just moments of greatest joy for me. Maybe it's when you got married. If you're married and you said, man, that was just, that was a moment, a day of just fantastic, wonderful joy. Maybe it's when you came to faith. When Jesus lit up your heart. And you said, wow. Now I know true joy that no one can take away from me. I mean, I don't know what's going to happen to my kids. I don't know what's going to happen to my spouse. I can remember those things and be joyful for those. But man, now I've got Jesus. And nothing can take that away from me. No one can. Nothing can. And maybe that's what brought you joy. Maybe it's just, you know, one of those moments of peace that we talked about last week, you know, out on sitting by the river. Maybe it's kids not fighting. Maybe it's not having to work. Maybe it's just kind of sitting on the couch with a nice drink, surrounded by family. I don't These moments of joy... You've, you've experienced certainly some, some moment or two of joy in your life. What was this for you? For the guys in the psalm, verse 7 there of Psalm 4, these other people have a lot of joy. And their joy is found when the grain and wine abound. When... They have stuff. When, when they have the means through which they can celebrate publicly and together. They say, we've got a bunch of bread. We've got a bunch of wine. We've got all the things we need to ha- throw a party. So like, let's celebrate and throw a party. Because we have all the stuff. It's harvest time. The Lord's provided. Wonderful. Great. Fantastic. Or just we've experienced these things. Whether or not you think the Lord is the one who gave them to you. Like, how much joy do you have when you're at just able to eat and drink and have good flavors and good friends and play games? But David says, you put more joy in my heart. Notwithstanding the circumstances of this life. Like, I've needed help. I've been in distress. Lord, you've saved me from these things. And even before, during, and after I've been in this distress, I think all in the midst of it, I had this joy in my heart knowing that whatever the outcome of the situation was going to be, that I, 
I could celebrate in at least that fact that I'm part of your people, that, that you have chosen me to know the truth. You've opened up my eyes to see, my ears to hear. You've put more joy in my heart. What, what is the source of your joy? Right? I mean, what's the source of your joy? The things in this world just don't last. But the Lord does. The Lord's beyond all this stuff. He's the one who created all this stuff. And so often, the temptation that we have and what we see all around us, and sometimes what we see in our own hearts, is the temptation to just find joy in those things. And to not find joy in Jesus above all else. So you think of those moments, or a moment or two, or maybe several, when you have found joy in this life, when you've experienced just an elation, just a satisfaction. You've been working, you know, I mean, some people graduated over this past week, finished up the fall semester, maybe they graduated, and you just, you walk across the stage and you're like, ha! I don't have to take any more classes. This, is, this brings me joy. Not, not doing something brings me joy, right? You know, maybe that's what, maybe that's what brings it to you. You know, maybe you get engaged like certain people did yesterday. Um, maybe that brings you a lot of joy. Um, and maybe that brings your family joy or not. I don't know. Um, well, actually, I, I sort of do know. But, um, you know, there are lots of things in this world that can bring joy and happiness. Just that elation, that celebration. But if we allow those things to be a substitute for the ultimate joy, then I think we've just missed. You know, and, and I think it's, it's difficult sometimes just sort of on the academic perspective to say, don't enjoy all that stuff. You know, that's what it sounds like sometimes. You know, well, you can't enjoy the things of this world because then you're not enjoying God. And, and I don't think that's a, a great way to put it. Um, I think the Lord's given us gifts, even in this life, that we can be reminded of his goodness by, by the, the grain and the wine that he provides to us. By the, the small things that he does to restore to us the joy of our salvation. To, to remind us of him in the midst of all these things. That as we celebrate how he has provided for us, how he has shown us grace and mercy, how he has been faithful by giving us these things, by giving us family and friends and his truth, that we can then reflect back upon he's the author of of all these good things. He's the one who's good. And these good things are gifts from a good God to remember the ultimate gift that he gave us in his son, Jesus Christ.
And so we have an opportunity today to just celebrate that. The wise men were able to celebrate, hey, we went on this long journey and we finally got to the destination we were looking at. And I don't think their celebration ended there. I think it just truly began. They said, hey, we're looking out for the signs. We saw the sign. We followed the sign. It opened up their eyes. And, and God showed them and brought them to that final place. And man, how exciting is this? That we, with our own eyes, have been able to see the king. All the while, Herod's over here like, hey, tell me, tell me where I can find, tell me where I can find this king so he can no longer be king, you know, because I like being king. And so often, don't we have that desire? Uh, I like being king. What brings me joy is being in charge and not God. What brings me joy is doing what I want to do and not in what the Lord has for me. And so it's a battle, number one, of just having joy, of, of actually being in a place of peace and celebrating it. So are you going to celebrate it or not? Are you going to rejoice or not? And then it's a matter of, is Jesus going to be the thing that you're celebrating in the midst of that? Or not? Is it Jesus above all else or is it me above all else? And so whether or not you actually celebrate and then whether or not you're celebrating Jesus are the two questions that remain for each of us every day of our lives. So a celebration of peace and Jesus above all else. And so as we prepare and take the next couple minutes to um, prepare to take communion together. And if you're a Christian, you are welcome to, to have communion with us together. Um, spend a couple minutes praying and just thanking the Lord for the joy that he has put in your heart. And if you don't have joy You know, joy, 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 joy down in your heart. If you don't have that joy, you have that opportunity. And that's the encouragement and the hope for each of us. To have that initial joy, if you haven't been a Christian, you're not a Christian yet, find that joy in Jesus. And if you are a Christian, to, to renew it, to find it again. In him. And so spend a couple minutes just praying. And as you come to a conclusion of praying, I welcome you to go back to the table and get a cup and a piece of gluten free bread. And, um, and then we'll all partake together here in a few minutes. So spend a couple minutes praying, thanking the Lord, being joyful.